Hey there, I'm Emlyn Miles Mattingly, your host for the Minority Money Podcast. I'm glad you're here. You know why? Because this is the place you can come to get your weekly finance, family, and fitness motivation, not only to experience success in those areas for yourself, but also to help others in our community achieve greatness too. Super happy that you're on the show with me. So let's jump right in. Welcome back to the Minority Money Podcast. I am your host, Emlyn Miles Mattingly, where we are changing the complexion of wealth. And today we're jumping right back into the financial planning. Today we have Samuel Dean on the show. Welcome back to the show, Samuel Dean. And uh, have me, man. It's a pleasure. Absolutely, man. Anytime. I mean, I feel like the listeners get a chance to hear our conversations, right? This is just me and my brother on here talking about stuff and we happen to be talking about finance. So today in the same vein, we've been talking about financial planning. If this is the third episode in the series, we had a first episode with an introduction and we just wanted to take everyone through the financial planning process. There's seven steps to this process. And if you haven't had a chance to listen to all of those episodes already, we got the first episode, which is going to talk about circumstances. Second episode talks about goals. And then today we're going to have Sam Bean talk a little bit about how he does or what he does in the step of analyzing the client stuff. But before we even get there, man, I just want to talk to Sam a little bit, let you guys get to know Sam. I know you've heard him on the show a couple of times, but Sam, new father. Talk to us about how has it been being a dad, Sam? I want to know about that. How has it been being a father? Oh, man. Being a dad is awesome. I don't know. It's very hard to describe the love and the things that I'm, I've been feeling over the past 10 months or so. So my son's 10 months now. And it's pretty cool because my wife and I got married last October, last year. My son was born in November. We moved to an entirely new city, new state in end of December, early January. And so there were so many new things hitting me at once. And so it definitely had its pros and cons and had its challenges, but I love being a dad. I love being a husband, a family man. It's been definitely been a good journey so far in building this firm and having the ability to spend time with my family, to work on my terms and create my own schedule and work with the people I want to work with and all those things. And just really realizing how blessed I am, especially in this moment. So it's been a blast, man. I can't complain at all, except for the sleepless nights. If I can change one thing, it would be to get more sleep, but... <laughs> ah, you don't need sleep. What it is. You don't need sleep. <laughs> what do we need that for? You don't need that. And it's awesome, man, to see you develop as a father and just like the way you're lighting up about, you know, talking about your family. What's one thing that you'd say about being a father that you really, really like that you didn't expect that you're going to like? That's a great question. Well, I can tell you, I guess, before having a child, I guess my idea of being a parent was obviously based off of like my experience with my parents. And I had no idea I would be this emotional, lovey-dovey type of guy with my son. That definitely took me for surprise. Like there are times where I'm playing with him while I walk in the room and he like looks at me and smile and I just start tearing up. (laughs) So I never imagined that I would feel this way. It definitely shows me certain magnitude of love that I can't say that I've felt before in my life. So it's mm-hmm. definitely great, man. Awesome. Awesome. It gives, you know, it gives life more meaning, right? It's great when you're doing it by yourself, but then when you got the team, Dean family growing and just that look from the kids, you know, my daughter does the same thing, man. She looks at me, I said, man, I'm going to do anything for this little girl, you know, yeah. anything for any of my kids at that, but you have those special moments and that's awesome, man. So uh, I'm glad that you guys are going through that and, and growing. And it's crazy how important those things become, the flexibility in the schedule to live, work on my terms, to work with the people that I want to work with, because all of those things 
allow you to be able to develop the relationships with your family and your kids, your wife, and do that on your terms. So congratulations, brother. 100%, man. Thank you so much, bro. I appreciate it. And I appreciate having you in my corner as someone who's been down this road a few times that yeah. I can uh, give you a call and get your advice and your feedback on a couple of things. So I appreciate you, man. For sure, for sure. Dad tips. I got them, bro. I got them. With that, man, we'll jump right in. So today we wanted to talk a little bit about Analyze, the third step in the financial planning process. And would you mind taking us through how you analyze stuff with your clients? Yeah, sure. So I will preface this by saying that all of my clients are millennials in tech. So they have a pretty, usually when a client first becomes a client, there's some sort of catalyst to them reaching out, right? And that's either something like their company's going public, whether through an IPO or direct listing, or they have this huge grant that was just vested and they have no idea what to do, or they need tax planning assistance or something of the sort. And so financial planning is a really comprehensive sort of robust process. I like to break down the different areas of planning into different meetings, right? And so the first meeting, which I'm sure you guys covered in the last podcast, is really going over their goals and their cash flow. And then I do that really by creating a 12-month cash flow statement. I'm sending them a link to Tiller Money and having them pull in their last 12 months of expenses and categorize those things so that I can get a better understanding of what's going in and what's coming out. I let them know all the time that this sort of cash flow exercises is really going to be the heart of our financial plan because it'll let us know how much your monthly expenses are, which ultimately leads to how much you should have in your emergency savings or your cash reserves. It'll let us know your income, your expenses, your discretionary income. So let us know how much discretionary income we have to allocate towards goal planning, right? And so for me, cash flow is the first thing that I usually like to review and go through with the client and really just give them more clarity. There are a lot of times where folks don't know what their income and expenses are on a monthly basis or an annual basis. And so before we do anything, cash flow is one of the first things that we analyze and make sure we're on the same page with. The next thing I would say is because like I mentioned, folks are usually coming in with equity compensation complexities. My second meeting is more so about special topics like IPOs or stock-based compensation, or maybe even they're in the middle of a home purchase and they want someone to kind of guide them through that process, whether they should have done that sooner or whether they should have reached out to a financial advisor sooner before sort of making that purchase is another story. But there are plenty of times where I sort of have folks that are coming in the door already in the midst of a financial situation. And so maybe that second meeting will address any special topics and provide recommendations from there. The third meeting is usually around investments. So we we take an overview of their investments. You know, we discuss their risk tolerance, their specific investment strategy. And I say like a lot of my clients are millennials. And so I usually ask folks in the beginning of the process, well, hey, let me know the type of person you are, right? Are you the type that wants to be educated on these things and go through the ins and outs, the whys, the infrastructure? Like so many people ask me, well, what's the difference between a Roth IRA and a traditional IRA? And going through those things and why that's beneficial. And then there are folks who are like, hey, Sam, I don't really need that much of an educational piece, whether they already know it or they just are not interested in it and they just kind of want me to provide advice. And so my meetings will really depend on, at least the meetings where we're analyzing stuff is really depends on how much education kind of goes into those meetings and what the client really wants. But the, at the end of the day, you know, we start by going over the cash flow, going over investments, 
discussing risk tolerance and different strategies and those sorts of things, as well as risk capacity. And I would say like with each meeting that we have, it kind of kicks off a particular area of planning, right? And so we'll go through cash flow and then we'll have that cash flow meeting and then we'll kind of communicate back and forth, whether through phone or email or what have you, and really just iron out different tweaks and things that we need to make to your cash flow. And the same with investments and any other topic. And so after we do that with cash flow investments, we then move on to insurance, right? We'll review the risks to your financial goals and really kick off the process to fill any gaps, whether that's life insurance, health insurance, disability insurance, property insurance, and so forth. I actually had a client most recently where I lived in New York and New York kind of had a really big flood. I had like two hurricanes and I think a pretty big flood a couple of weeks ago. And fortunately, we went over their, their renter's insurance and was able to increase their coverage because they had nowhere near enough. We were able to get the additional flood insurance just as a risk management caution and came to find out their basement got flooded and they had lost about $8,000 worth of like material items and insurance is going to cover that. Right. And so I think that insurance is a part of financial planning that most people don't pay much attention to. Everyone kind of wants to come in the door and talk about investing and how we can build wealth and those sorts of things. But I really like to make it a point to talk about how can we protect that wealth? Like if something were to happen to you today, would you have to sell investments to do repairs or anything like that? And so those are things that we want to avoid. And you definitely want to make a point to address those things. After insurance, we then have another meeting focused on estate planning, right? Mm -hmm. Talking about if something were to happen to you today, will your assets be inherited by the folks who you intend to inherit them? And so that can entail things like creating a will or creating a trust but really just identifying, again, the estate planning goals and areas of improvements and kind of filling the gaps. And so, Mm -hmm. like I mentioned, the analyzing process is, I think, the most important part of the process, um, or at least one of the most important parts of the process. I like to make it really educational so that clients know exactly sort of why we're doing things and know the different options that they have as well. And for me, because it's such a comprehensive phase, we definitely kind of break that down into different meetings. So we make sure that everything is digested efficiently. The way you're uh, dissecting estate planning, investments, insurance, and analyzing all that, and then being able to make quick adjustments because you've properly analyzed things is very valuable to the clients. When you're analyzing that course of action and when you start to evaluate the course of action, what happens when you see the advantages or the disadvantages of the course of action that they may have been on? When you analyze that, how are you making adjustments for the clients on their course of action? Sure. So I generally like to kind of provide a SWOT analysis, right? And I let them know, here are all the things that you are doing that are considered strengths. Here are ways, here are opportunities, things that you're not quite taking advantage of, but we can take advantage of. Here are weaknesses, right? Areas where you're not doing so well and that we need to improve in. And I kind of just like to do scenario planning, right? And say, hey, if you continue saving X amount in your 401k and that's all you do over the next 30 years, Mm -hmm. you won't have enough to retire in 30 years. And really painting that picture and letting them kind of almost get a chance to look into the future to say, well, if you continue on this path, either you will or will not achieve certain goals. And that usually sort of moves the needle, at least for those who I find are serious about making those changes, that usually moves the needle to help them course correct their actions and kind of learn more about the recommendations that we're exploring and discussing. 
Let's talk about this though, because retirement is the one that everybody wants to talk about, right? I'm not putting enough away for money for retirement. Yeah, no one is. Okay. So that's why no one is. Right? <laughs> not until you meet us. Then we tell you how much you got to put away. And you're like, well, maybe I don't want to retire that bad. So what other things have you had to help people adjust? And I think that's where really the value is, right? What are some of the things that you've seen where you've had to change the course of what they're doing based on your analysis of their situation? I think one of the most important areas I've helped people adjust is their mindset. And I think as an advisor, as a financial planner, someone who you want to do holistic planning and really help someone move the needle in their financial lives, you really have to take stock of where that person is coming from. So I have this joke with my clients that if you're doing financial planning and you don't feel like you're in therapy, then that person's doing it wrong. Mm -hmm. And I wholeheartedly believe in that, in that I have to get a great understanding of your fears and motivations as it pertains to money so I can help you, right? So I can help you course correct and achieve those things. And it may not be about retirement. It could be something as simple as spending and going on too many vacations. And again, it kind of points back or let's not use too many vacations. Let's use a client wants to, let's say, buy a house that they can't really afford. And again, it kind of goes back into why do you want to buy this house? And for at least in my experience, most of the time it's because no one in my family has ever owned a house before, right? And so knowing that that's the thing that's driving them, I use that to my advantage and to their advantage and say, hey, you know, we can go on three vacations per year and you can buy this house in five years, or you can go on five vacations per year and buy this house in 15 years, mm -hmm. right? And so I think just being able to tap into the emotional aspect of dealing with money has helped me help clients shift their mindset around money. And I think that if you can do that as a financial advisor, that's the biggest hurdle I've found, at least in, in most planning relationships. Nice, nice. Analyzing someone's basically mindset is the pivotal and changing the direction of what they're trying to do financially. That's what For I sure. That's at least that's what I, Okay, I was like, that's what I think I heard you say. Man, if we're offering a parting tips, because, you know, wrap it up here, it was just a quick episode, but I wanted to make sure that if there was one tip that you had when someone's going through, because it's been basically for consumers, right? Consumer listening, and I'm going through the financial planning process or what I think is the financial planning process. What is uh, one thing or what are some things? I mean, you laid out quite a few that you do, but what's something that people can make sure that they're looking for when they're in this phase of the financial planning process? I think when you're in this phase of the financial planning process, you should already trust the advisor, trust their level of competence and those sorts of things. I think it's important to understand the things that you may or may not have to sacrifice, right? It's important to be able to understand different paths that you can take to get to a certain goal. I think having options rather than here's what you need to do and that presented as the only things that you can do to get you to that endpoint is one thing you need to be mindful of because there is always more than one way to achieve a particular goal. And I think as humans, we want to have the options to make certain trade-offs in different points in time. And so that's one thing I would say you want to be mindful of is having just the ability to make options and trade-offs on certain recommendations that an advisor may give you to help you achieve your goals. Absolutely. Love that. Man, we're going to close it up there. Sam, man, it's always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. And this is awesome. I can't wait till people hear this. This is going to be good. As you all know, this is the Minority Money Podcast, where we are changing the complexion of wealth. I'm your host, Emlyn Miles Mattingly. Until next time. Another great showdown, but it doesn't have to stop there. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on whatever podcast app you're listening on now and give it a good rating, would you? 
If you feel really connected to the podcast, which I hope you do, find our Facebook community, Minority Money VIP, to support and be supported by others just like you. And again, we're glad to have you. While this podcast is meant to inspire and motivate you to live your best life, it can't be your complete one-stop shop. I know, I know, that really sucks. But I don't know anything about your specific situation. So please reach out to an attorney or CPA, or you can reach out to me, a financial planner, to help you with your specific situation. To get a hold of us, please reach us at fan at Minority Money Podcast. That's F-A-N at Minority Money Podcast, so we can get to know you there. Thanks for being here, and until next time.